Hello. Welcome back. Um, I apologize for not having any of these uh, podcasts up for a couple weeks. Um, I, I just wanted to let you know, you know, these cases get to me when I do my research. And sometimes I have to back off and just for my own personal mental health. Um, and saying that, uh, you know, I do want to, um, I guess, acknowledge that the people who are in charge of our children and the other um, resources available for domestic violence, I don't know how they do it on a day-to-day basis, uh, hearing about and seeing some of the things that they see. Um, and before I get started, I do want to let you know that the number for uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline will be in the description. Also, my email address will be there if you want to reach out to me, ask a question, or tell me something that you might be interested in. So those things will be in the description. And um, today I want to talk about Terrell Peterson. He was five years old when he died in Atlanta, Georgia. And unfortunately, in his case, um, he was in the system, and um, there was just gross negligence on the part of uh, the Division of Family and Children's Services, or DFACS is what they call them here in Atlanta, and this is where I'm living right now, and where this poor little boy was lived and tortured and eventually beaten to death. So, um, he was born... March 1st, 1992, and his um, date of death was January 15th, 1998. He was five years old, a little African-American boy from Atlanta, and he was tortured and beaten while his case was under active state supervision. Um, So um, various people within the Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services were engaged in gross misconduct and violation of the state mandated mandated protocols for handling children child abuse case. Um, after the murder, officials within the department did engage in willful willful in a willful cover up of the facts of this case, and Terrell's case was considered to be one of the worst cases of child abuse in history. Um, the lawyer, John, Don Keenan, sued the state of Georgia on his behalf and was quoted as saying, Thank God he was dead. I think anybody who would have known or understood what this little guy was going through would rejoice in his death. Now, that's a terrible, sad thing to say about a little boy who died at five years old. Um, but given the case of the amount of torture and abuse that he went through, um, I think that Mr. Keenan was considering it an act of mercy that he did not survive. Um, The victim's grandmother, Farina Peterson, and Terry Lynn Peterson, who was his aunt, were both convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. So, um, under or in Fulton County Department of Family and Children's Services, there were seven calls between 1992 and 95 in reference to the neglect of Terrell and his siblings. Um, cases being or um, calls being that the mother was taking drugs while she was pregnant using food stamps and welfare checks to buy crack cocaine that was in May of 1992 
The parents were locking the children in the bedroom on weekends, denying them food and water. That was August of 1993. The mother is on drugs and children are unsupervised. In February 94, children were begging neighbors for food and the mother is using cocaine daily. And that was in January 95. The mother is addicted to crack, leaving the children with their sick maternal grandmother in November of 95. Um, complaints were handled by 11 different caseworkers overseen by 10 supervisors by the Department Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services, and yet nothing was done until June 1996 when the department took custody of Terrell from his mother. Now, according to protocol, children taken into custody by child services would ideally be placed with blood relatives, receive at least one in-person visit with an agency caseworker per month, and under no circumstances is corporal punishment to be administered by foster uh, caregivers. Terrell was placed with Farina Peterson, the grandmother of Terrell's half-brother and half-sister, who were not directly related to him. And while in her custody, caseworkers had little to no contact with Terrell, and there was no monthly visits. This case came to light when Terrell was brought to the emergency room of the Hughes-Spalding Children's uh, hospital in Atlanta in cardiac arrest where he subsequently passed away. During the course of the homicide investigations, dis police discovered that Terrell had been physically restrained with pantyhose tied to a banister in the apartment. And according to another child living in the home, Tasha Peterson tied Terrell up a lot. Police also found a written set of instructions for Terrell's care allegedly authorized by Peterson stating that he gets a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, for lunch he gets grits, and dinner he gets grits. Um, Terrell's Head Start teacher, Joanne Bryant, found him rummaging in a trash can at school looking for food. And this occurred prior to a Thanksgiving Day beating in 1996, which necessitated a trip to the emergency room where he was diagnosed with battered child syndrome. Farina Peterson was arrested and indicted on misdemeanor charges, which I don't understand how that's a misdemeanor, but anyway. Terrell, who had previously implicated Peterson on record as the one who assaulted him, was scheduled to testify at the trial. However, his caseworker, now this is where things get really sketchy, um, his caseworker, Sherelle Elmer, who was responsible for bringing Terrell to court, never showed up. Terrell and her, her absence were never questioned, and the charges were dismissed by Municipal Court Judge Catherine E. Maliki because the victim was not in court, which is ridiculous since he's a five-year-old, maybe four at the time, <clears throat> but he was a, a little kid. Um, to cover her already egregious transgression, Elmore, that was the caseworker, conducted or concocted a fraudulent backdated internal memo which was placed in Terrell's file that the trial did indeed incur, that no evidence of child abuse was found, and the charges were dismissed as a result. The memo stated that the judge believed Mrs. Peterson and did not feel that he, she was guilty of child abuse. Um, alleged finding, despite the medical evidence and the result of the police investigation along with a lack of substantiating court documents was never questioned by her supervisors and as a result Terrell was deemed to be safe and his file was closed and he was returned to the custody of Peterson. That is just truly, truly disgusting that this happened. 
Peggy Peters, who was the director of the departments, had to say, um, again, I cannot speak for Miss Elmore, and I certainly would not have made that decision. So she kind of just, you know, denied any responsibility um, for the conduct of the people that, you know, were under her supervision. Um, so when Terrell went back to the same Head Start class with um, the same teacher, he was in prior to the assault. Miss Bryant, his teacher, noticed that he was not walking normally. So she took off his sneakers and noticed that the flesh on the soles of both his feet had been burned off. This was again alleged posthumously to have been inflicted by Peterson as retribution for telling authorities about her previous assaults. These burns were so severe that he needed uh, skin grafts and the skin was taken from his hips and transplanted onto the soles of his feet. So these were horrible burns that this little boy was walking around with, with God knows how long, no medical care until his teacher found out what was going on. And despite the severity of these injuries, no investigation was done, no charges were brought, and Terrell was never visited by anyone from child services from the time of these injuries until his murder a year later. Um, the coroner listed Terrell's cause of death as blunt impact injuries to the head, trunk, and extremities, and this resulted in Fran Peterson being charged with capital murder. So, after the two internal investigations into Terrell's case, Georgia DFACS reported failure to make contact, failure to conduct mandatory monthly meetings, and a serious lack of judgment and numerous violations throughout the history of the case. The public was never made aware of these findings, and upon completion of the investigations, uh, department officials engaged in a cover-up. The department made only one public statement, which was written by Ralph Mitchell, the administrator of the Atlanta area office. He claimed that members of the agency expressed outrage at the loss of precious life, but that they had responded immediately and comprehensively to allegations of Terrell's abuse. The statement further claimed that the department had followed protocols saying all of the steps were followed in the case of Terrell, which is total BS. Soon after, Mitchell wrote a private memo to the department head at state headquarters stating the press release was untrue. He also commented that it was unfortunate no one in the media had called to follow up after the public statement. Due to state privacy laws, Terrell's records were sealed and inacceptable, inaccessible to the media, rendering the cover-up undetectable. Hmm. Um, the tampering, beca the tampering be began to come to light a year later when Don Keenan received Terrell's case file by an anonymous individual within the department. So somebody had some kind of a conscious and did leak this information to the press. <clears throat> um, despite the murder of Terrell, the complexity in his murder through willful neglect of workers in the department, Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services, and the exposed cover-up by high department officials, another caseworker determined that Terrell's half-sister and half-brother, who were both present at his murder, would be safe with Fran Peterson. Oh my God. Um, this unidentified caseworker said as follows, Miss Peterson will cooperate with the agency and continue to, continue to show interest in the support of the child while they are at home. 
I think, again, you'd have to look at the individual situation. If she had not harmed those other children, then it might be acceptable. Neither Elmore nor Mitchell were fired for their actions. Okay. So, in the end, Farina Peterson received a life sentence for Terrell's murder. Um, December 2002, Terry Lynn Peterson, the victim's aunt, was found guilty of his murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. Ralph Mitchell, the official who, who engaged in a cover-up the case, wrote the phony and wrote the phony press release, retired with a state pension. Catherine E. Maliki, that was the judge, who dismissed charges against Farina Peterson because Terrell was not brought to court, remained a municipal court judge in Atlanta and retired in 2010. And Roy Barnes, a governor at the time who signed the Terrell Peterson Act, ran for Georgia governor again in 2010, but lost. So, see, these are the things that get to me. This poor little boy could have been saved and would, you know, be an adult by now, but nobody cared. And he lost his life. Um, so as a result, somebody leaking these things, there were some laws put into place and, um, there really was, in my opinion, just not enough people held accountable for what happened to this poor little boy. Um, so again, you know, I just want to bring these things to light. We need to care. We need to care about the people who are being abused and, step up for them, whether they're a child or an adult. Sometimes, um, you know, an adult is in a situation where they can't defend themselves and speak up for themselves as well. And that's why I do these things, but they do get to me after a while. So again, I apologize for not, um, reporting as frequently as I would like to. Again, the number for the national abuse, national abuse hotline is below in the, in the comment section of this podcast. Um, don't be afraid to speak up for somebody who's not able to do it for themselves. And if you have any questions or comments, please email me at the email address, isurvivechildhood at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Please be safe and have a great day. Bye-bye.